The conversations on this podcast are between the host and the guest and are not directed at any member of the general public. The information is for your listening pleasure, but is not offering you any personal advice. If you have heard something that you feel may be relevant to yourself, please visit your medical practitioner or mental health provider. Hello and welcome to Life Changes You. We're in season three. I'm Daniel. Uh, Lots of great feedback, lots of great guests, and I'm excited to still be providing you with this podcast. So keep listening and uh, you're listening everywhere around the world. So that's really good, especially America. America loves the podcast, which is fantastic. Today, I've got Lincoln Stoller back, who was in last season. So Lincoln has a website called Mind Strength Balance, and he covers lots of different topics. He's a psychotherapist, counsellor, and so many other things, and he's one of the most interesting people I've spoken to. How are you, Lincoln? I'm, 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 I'm somehow uh, You're busy. Somehow. Yeah, the more confused I get, the more fertile uh, my thoughts become. So I'm, I'm feeling quite confused about my thoughts right now okay uh, well, well let's hope thing. we can hone in on them on this top podcast yes so today we're talking about how emotions thoughts and ascent and sensations speak to us in different ways this is a new thing that you just written about i think last week yeah i keep reading that i don't know what i was talking about but we'll figure it out <laughs> so it went on to say how we struggle to integrate what they tell us Okay, that's good. Do you do you want me to tell you the rest? <laughs> uh, no, just just uh, you know, putty up the corners a little bit. Well, I guess uh, so. Why do emotions, thoughts, and uh, sensations? How do they speak to us in different ways? All right, I still don't. I still don't get it. But I'll 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 change the topic, which gets us back to it. So I'm writing this book. I'm finishing. It's more third revision, third edit, called Instant Enlightenment. And um, it's about, uh, it's a play on words. It's about how you change your state and how your change of state has an instant effect. So the idea that I'm working on, which is making me confused, and I figure that means I'm getting close to something valuable, is that your state of mind really determines what you perceive. And from that, how you process the world. And if you are out of communication, you kind of get lost in yourself. So the body, I think, is uh, really our primary source of grounding. Either a healthy, it it doesn't have to be healthy. It's just connected to your body. Yep. And I I mean, we, we get involved in this, you know, when we get into, you know, gardening and nature and being out in nature and being, you know, uh, exercise and other things that get us into our body. And um, we get out of balance when we get too intellectual and too conceptual and uh, too sort of blown away with the themes of present day culture, media. And so our whole project here, well, you and I being sort of therapist counselors, I think involves a kind of integration of mind and body, which we're really constantly fighting against in various ways, because professionally it's segregated and culturally people aren't too integrated either. And medically it's 
separated. And, um, you know, everywhere we turn, we fight this separation of mind and body. So, you know, in writing this book or finishing this book on your state of mind and your uh, effect on your body, I realize when I say things that confuse me, I've sort of hit something valuable. Yeah. And so when I go through the book, as I hope readers will do, it's not available yet, you know, they'll be increasingly confused because their minds will be expanded. And mine is too. Yeah. As I read the stuff that I write. And so when you say we were going to talk about the minds focusing how we communicate with yourself, you know, now I'm like really confused um, because I've gotten too deep into it. I can't really see the surface anymore. Right. You know, I'm talking about uh, details and I'm trying to find my way through the, through the vegetation. Um, anyway, so getting back to something useful, well, now you can talk. Okay. So look, I'm, I'm thinking from what you're saying is that because most people are, well, some people are disconnected between their mind and body is that you're thinking that people who are more intellectual tend to sit and read and write and do those sort of things. Um, and they, they're sort of disconnected from their body as they're too into what they're reading or writing or thinking. So they're not doing the other things that they should be doing to create a balance in their life. I would say so, but I'd go further and say we could be more practical about it. I'm focusing on ways to get in touch with what's essential, yeah. uh, which involves getting out of your head and out of the concepts that have been put in your head and getting into uh, what uh, is a little hard to define completely. It involves your body because I think your body speaks to you in, in more than just ways of pain and pleasure. And I think it involves your subconscious, which speaks to you through memories and associations, traumas and ideas. And, you know, if you if you let all this stuff in at once, you kind of get swamped. You know, you can't carry on the intellectual presentation when you're uh, totally flipped out with connecting to your liver and your ancestry and your anxieties. There has to be a space in a person's life to expand and be chaotic and uh, be, uh, well, maybe even psychotic, according to some people's definitions, or to act that way. So one of my initiatives is in this psychedelic psychotherapy, which I'm, you know, I'm not entirely on board with because I don't really like medicalizing everything. Yeah. And, but I think in terms of a model, I think the, well, here's what's interesting. You can do psychedelics without any chemicals at all, right? I mean, we've known that for thousands of years. All you have to do is go in a cave and sit there for two days yeah. and you will be as flipped out as anything LSD can ever do to you. You know, sit in the dark for two days and you'll go nuts. I mean, I've done it and I think it's a great thing to do because you can just open the door and leave when you've had enough. Yeah. You know, and uh, I, I frankly think that's a lot more valuable than taking a pill, which sort of locks you in the room until it wears off. But that's okay. You know, some people need it. it, it you know, then they can schedule it for Saturday night and it's fine because walking into a cave for two days really does take two days. You can't do it in two hours. So what do you think? Well, obviously we know or we assume the outcome of someone who's in solitary confinement uh, I guess someone like uh, Julian Assange or someone who's in prison and in, in solitary confinement, 
I mean, for them, I guess the first few hours, their emotions and uh, sensations and everything are probably popping really fast because their body is wondering why they're there and how they get out and there'd be fear and frustration and everything. How, how do they manage to do that? Because if you're saying you did it for two days and it was quite enlightening, what about someone who's there long-term? Do they go completely mad? Well, I think, you know, there's all kinds of routes one can take. You know, if you're a grounded, you know, if you're Nelson Mandela, you find your roots wow, and yeah. you, you know, or, you know, if you're, St. Thomas Aquinas or, you know, any of these people who have who have a tap on their essential being, you can settle into it. Um, you know, people of you know, prisoners of war, other people who've had yeah. who had a real sense of purpose. Yeah. But if you go into it lost. I mean, this is how people have bad psychedelic trips. If you go into it lost or you're you're traumatized in the process or trauma comes up in the process, then your path is going to be you know, different. You're not going to settle into a, you know, a world leader. You'll probably settle into a evolving being of some kind. And it may not be a pleasant evolution, but hopefully it won't kill you. But, yeah. it, you know, it probably has. I mean, you could talk about people who go into solitary or you could talk about people who go into Vipassana meditation or you could talk about people who just go crazy. Uh, they're all, in a sense, to some degree, going to the similar place. I don't want to say that, you know, mental illness is just a process of evolution. I think that's a cop out. Yeah. I mean, there are people with, with uh, problems that need medical solutions or intervention or containment or support, but one should take as much responsibility as you can to make the best of whatever is possible before you go to somebody and ask them to relieve you of your, um, transformational experience so you know I, I can't really say i've never been in prison you know the door is always i've always had the key to the door and if i didn't i, I think i would freak out i'm not sure how well i would would last no. as a criminal i'm one of those people who really is prevented by the threat of uh, imprisonment uh, yeah me too yeah definitely i mean i think for me uh, having to go to prison or even going to war are the two things that would be my greatest fears. Right. I mean, this is so fertile because this is always on the boundary. You know, I think of the, the picture of the flat earth surrounded by oceans that are falling off, you know, Terry Pratchett's Discworld or something. And, and, and it's so real in the sense there is a boundary. And it's not just that you can fall off. It's just that People are falling off all the time. You know, people were talking to me yesterday about uh, Rwanda, you know, and the, the genocide in Rwanda. I mean, it's it's just a snap away. And, uh, you know, you don't know where the boundary. So it's valid to stay safe with your mortgage and your lawn and your SUV or whatever it is that you need to hold yourself into the container. At the same time, the container becomes, as we were talking about, a kind of conspiracy of its own. Yeah. And everybody's saying, well, you know, who's holding the culture in this sick concept? Well, you know, it could be the oil companies or it could be everybody who buys the oil, which is us. And I think the way you deal with that is by treading as close you can to the boundary of what's sane and imagining what could be different. 
Yeah, oh. look, we, we all play our part, don't we, in a lot of things that go on in the world that we complain about. And it's like we elected the, the prime ministers or presidents. We elected our local governments. We, you know, so even though there's usually only a choice of really two or three that are going to be there, we still have a hand in who we choose to represent us and make those decisions for us. So I think everyone should buckle down and become <laughs> ascetic. They should be really discerning about who they make their friends with, who they make friends with, and how they present themselves and hold themselves to a really high standard. Because I think, you know, I make fun of the law of attraction all the time. It's the most ridiculous thing in the world. But there's something to it. If you insist on raising your consciousness and the consciousness of people around you to the point where you'll make a sacrifice of not indulging in uh, pleasure, and I'm not saying you should flagellate yourself, but, you know, I mean, maybe, you know, it's as simple as a, a you know, a smaller uh, carbon footprint or whatever it is you need to do to just ask other people to raise their consciousness too. It, it, always, it sounds so stereotypical after a while. It's so hard to, you know, part of the problem is that our culture doesn't have good words for this. It keeps sounding like kindergarten when we say this stuff, you know, yeah. and if you go to a culture where they do speak about wisdom and, you know, really deep things, you know, like a lot of the indigenous cultures, you'll find they don't talk to you at all because they don't, you know, <laughs> one of the stories of the Iroquois nation in the U.S. was that the Iroquois said, we know your, your God is false. We know your Christian God is false because you wrote it down in words and no wisdom can be written in words. So wow. whatever you give us in the Bible is uh, not truth because truth can't be spoken. And here we are. I mean, you and I even here we are talking, looking for truth in our words. And I, I, I'd like to think there is some, but, you know, it's not in our words. It's in what other people break out using our words. Our words are like firecrackers, I hope. Yeah. And they break the log jam, but they're not, you know, to be strung around your neck and worshipped. No, no. Um, look, yeah, what you're saying there is brilliant because uh, I think with a stream of consciousness, a lot of people look at that as hocus pocus, pie in the sky, nothing to think about. And most people are just so locked into what they're doing that they don't understand that there's a greater good out there. And I'm not talking about necessarily religion. You can believe in yourself. You can believe in whatever you want to believe in. But I think a lot of people tend to get tied down into this is my life, this is my job, this is this, and these are my family, and that's all That's all I need to do. They're not looking for something higher or something to challenge themselves. I mean, when I was 40 and I went back and did my counselling uh, degree, a few people said to me, what are you going back to school now for to do that? You're 40, you know, be retiring in a few years. And I'm like, well, I've got 25 years, hopefully, and I want to learn more about myself. And doing the counselling was one thing I really learned about me. It, it wasn't so much about, well, I did want to be a counsellor, but I learned so much about myself from asking myself all these questions, which I'd never would have asked myself before because I didn't realise these questions existed, you know, and with people listening to podcasts like this, 
hopefully they they go, oh, well, actually, maybe there is something else I could try. I had a podcast with a guy the other week who had done some hypnotherapy on himself. He said that when he was younger, he was quite violent. He was uh he was an MMA fighter, another fighter played gridiron. Um, he said, and then one day, because he got some sort of brain injury from playing these sports, he decided he wanted to work on himself. And he's done all this work and he's a completely different person. And I said, have you ever thought about studying counselling or something around counselling which would just help you understand yourself more? Well, he started doing that now. And he said, look, I'm through the first three subjects and I've started to understand why I was like I was. He said, but I've been to therapists for years and I never understood myself as well as I understand myself now. Do you understand what I mean? When we learn about, I guess, how our mind works, how our behaviours work, we can actually see what's behind them, whereas before it was just part of us. So you asked me the question, do I understand what you mean? And there are two answers I could give you. If I said yes, we would drop the subject and we'd lose our momentum and we'd think, ah, oh, we each understand each other and that's finished. So I have to say no, because it's important that we talk about this and it's not for you and I to talk about. We will, you know, you and I are hopeless. We're on our own path, you know, digging our way through the mountain or through the earth. And, you know, we'll go where we go. I mean, I have to say we're talking to people who are listening, who are trying to offer something positive to. And for those people, the answer is no, I don't know what you're talking about because we should talk about it more. So, uh, I, I want to, I pulled up the uh, outline of my book and I want to read you the 10 chapter titles because I think that pertains to the question, whatever that question was. So here are the chapter titles. This is called Instant Enlightenment, States of Mind Define Your World. And the chapter titles are Needing, Seeing, Thinking, Sensing, Feeling, recollecting, containing, and being. So I think that uh, when we talk about understanding ourselves, our culture, our future, our purpose, our heritage, you have to get out of the box that it's just one mode, that, oh, we're just going to think our way to a solution. But we need to see our way, feel our way, sense our way, remember our way, uh, be our way, you know, I th think this is really important. A personality, us, what we've created, exists for a purpose. And its purpose is not to make us happy. Uh, people used to tell me happiness is the goal. I think happiness is the, uh, it's not the goal. Uh, it's the means, or I don't know what it is. I mean, most of us aren't that happy, you know, uh, when you get right down to it. Or if you dig too deeply, you know, you sort of puncture that bubble and uh, stuff comes out. And I think our personality is the container for us to work on what's meaningful. And uh, it's different for each of us. And there's no one way to define it. Uh, there, it's defined in many ways. It's, it's like uh, each of us is a snowflake that, that evolves in different directions with different patterns. So, you know, we have different needs. We see different things. We think different things, sense, feel, recollect, contain on our different things. So, you know, do I know what you mean? Um, I can't know what you mean. I can only know what I mean, you know, when I hear you. 
And I shouldn't be too complacent to think that I know too much about what I mean for, uh, I don't remember when you mentioned it, but you know, oh, I guess you, did you mention, see here, I'm even losing track of time. Did you say something 30 seconds ago or was it 30 minutes ago? I can't remember. You said the, the person who started learning about psychotherapy, who said that they now see so much more about their lives than they did before after three courses. Yeah, that's, that's essentially what I think you mean. Yeah. Not any ideas, but the process of learning, which is different for, you know, our listeners and ourselves and people in the world has to be open to allow us to advance in it, the process of learning. It's also open to your own individual interpretation of how you read something and how you put that in play. Well, let's not get too French about that. <laughs> French philosophers, deconstructionists. But yeah, okay, sure. I mean, uh, so so here's one of the here's one of the bugaboos I have. There's a, a spiritual movement called non-duality. And it really bugs me because if you don't have if you can't distinguish between two things, you're completely lost. I mean, duality is essential to contrast, and contrast is essential to judgment. And if you don't have judgment, you're screwed in every way. Yeah. So duality is not the problem. It's dichotomy that's the problem. It's making opposites and conflicts and forcing yourself to choose between things that don't even exist as opposites. So I'm an anti-dichotomist, and I'm a pro-dualist, if you'd like. And, and dualism amplifies differences. It doesn't mean there's contrary you know you don't have to fight i mean look at the people who are fighting the pro-abortionists and the anti-abortionists and it always seems to me so crazy aren't they they're both positive life people why is it that they're ready to kill each other this is nuts um and, and you can you know what about the chinese and the russians and the you know well maybe some of those people are nuts i mean there is a problem with power and control that seems to get out of hand but, um, you know, most of the population, if the population had a say in things, you'd think things would settle down or get sane. Well, you know, it's interesting. If you let the population do what it wants, you get little pockets of nuttiness, like, you know, the Salem witch trials. And, and some, some shit just goes overboard, you know, the Inquisition in Europe. And it's hard to say, but it, if people, you'd like to think if people were more involved, they become more enlightened and deal with each other in reasonable and humane ways, but it doesn't always work. And we um, also, we also like to think that we live in a free world. Like I'm in Australia, you're in Canada. I am. Yep. And we see that as a free world, but in some ways we are still controlled by government, by police force, all those different things that are going on are still controlling us to some degree, which I guess we don't even think about because we just think, oh, no, I live in a free world. That's what I've been told. It's a free world. I'm free to do whatever I want. But then there's also things that, you know, with free speech, we have free speech. But then nowadays we've changed into ways where we're not allowed to say this or this or this or this. And that's good because it's actually affecting small minority groups. And then when you speak to those small minority groups now, they go, oh, we're not a minority anymore and you go okay sorry i, I made a mistake so we, we've got to make sure that we're on the same level as everybody else while we're still being controlled while we're still feeling that like we've got freedom now, what are you talking about 
<laughs> we were talking about control, like with Russia and them controlling their population. And the population would say, you know, well, uh, if you didn't have the control of government, people would say, oh, well, I'm going to do this. And these people would do this. And it's the same in what we consider our free world, isn't it? Like Canada, right. well, Australia, well, we are still controlled in some way. Well, because otherwise to, we would go bananas. I have to rein you in. I have to rein you in because you're <laughs> going to start talking politics in a second and then everybody's going to go, you know, like cockroaches in the lighted kitchen. They'll all go fleeing under the furniture. Um, so getting back to the point is what this whole picture, the dichotomy of control and freedom can be ported right into our minds, right? Right into how we control ourselves. What I think is a funny short story I can't practice as a psychotherapist in Canada until I get approved by the College of Psychotherapy and they require that I have a police check so that I'm proved not to be a child molester. And that requires that I get fingerprints and I went to get fingerprints and everything is going until it all ground to a stop because their laser printer ran out of toner and they're not they don't have the authority to change the toner cartridge. So now I can't give therapy to people because they don't have authority to change the toner cartridge. And there's something in that. There, I have the ability and I have clients who want me to help them. But the structure, which we like, the police and the government, and is so fragile that uh, it stopped working. And now nobody's getting service from me. So I want to carry that, as I said, into each person's own psyche, you know, where are we stuck? You know, where are we allowed to go crazy or not? Where do we allow ourselves the freedom? You know, and you look at your family. Most of us have families. And uh, what does your family require you to do? And what can't you say? And what, you know, obviously, if you're going to become enlightened or different in any way, you're going to have to behave differently, say different things. So, Expanding yourself involves pushing against boundaries that are outside yourself, in your family, in community, in your profession. You know, like the funny thing, Elon Musk, I kind of like Elon Musk just because he's a loudmouth and a kind of firecracker. And his employees at, at SpaceX wrote a letter where they said, he's embarrassing us all by his, you know, loudmouth behavior. And then he fired them all. And... Um, <laughs> I thought, well, that's that's really what we need. We need both of those. We need to be our own loudmouth and say stupid stuff. And we need to criticize ourselves justly for the chaos that we create because now it needs to be fixed. I mean, you know, if somebody gets cancer, you can say, oh, life's over. Or you can say, this is an opportunity to uh, do what needs to be done, which I've been, you know, avoiding doing my whole life which is a positive thing, but it puts you in conflict. You have to see conflict in a positive way, which sort of means you have to have, uh, gee, I don't know what that means. You have to be immune to uh, small thinking, anxiety, depression. Um, I I mean, we've both dealt with people who are chronically depressed, clinically or medically uh, untouchable. What was that? you know, depression that can't be treated. And my sense with these people is always that they're stuck in their heads. They're stuck in this negative vortex. And uh, 
you can inject as much positivity as you want. It's like a black hole. They'll just suck it right in and it'll disappear. Yeah. Uh, there's no light that, that emanates from their worldview. And uh, in a lesser sense, we're all sort of planets with gravitational fields that suck in certain attitudes and, and we don't let other attitudes out. And I mean, what are we, we, we all need to go supernova, which is sort of like, you know, taking psychedelics or something, but not in an uncontrolled way. We don't want to blow up all the planets around us, but we do want to release energy. So how do we do it? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. We talk like this. We get it. We get worked up. Yeah, we do. And we, we, we do come to some conclusions throughout the, the uh, conversation, but uh, you know, you were just saying about you couldn't get fingerprinted. I had my mum in hospital, and the person who got the trays after they'd eaten their dinner couldn't pick up the cup because that wasn't their job. And then when the person came to pick up the teacups, I said, "Oh, can you put the tray down, uh, the table down?" And they said, "Oh, that's not my job." So then someone came in and put the table down slightly, um, and, and everybody had their different job, but no one was allowed to touch anyone else's job, and it was like. Surely, if you're here, you can pick up a cup and you can just push the table down a little bit. But no, yeah. it, we've gone into a world where everybody has their their own job and you are not allowed to stand on their toes. Right. Well, That's my I, want bring, I want to bring it right in. I think we do. We inter, We see that in the world around us because we have the tendency to do it to ourselves or we allow it or tolerate it in ourselves. We say, oh, I, you know, I'm in the family environment i'm not going to uh well just just to just to really offend people i'm not going to look at the pornography that i look at you know at two in the morning when everyone's asleep because now i'm you know it's like that's there's something screwed up about that if, if you're look okay maybe you're not looking at pornography at two in the morning maybe you're looking at french philosophy which you know is perhaps less useful than pornography but you know you have to try to integrate yourself Whatever yourself is, and it could be, you know, you're just a little old lady who likes crochet, but you have to, like, bring it out to the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have to, like, crochet uh, political statements or somehow get your energy involved with other people's energy and, and not be marginalized in this way so that you're just the person who picks up cups. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think we have a solution, do we? Well, we, we uh, could philosophize about the solution, but well, then would I, we I think, go on? I think, I think chaos is kind of a solution. Chaos, I mean, this is, you know, Shiva, chaos, destruction, disintegration, death, composting. These are sort of solutions to structures that don't work. I mean, that's fair enough. The question you're sort of asking is what do we create or make that will solve the problems we have? That's a different, you know, problem. First, we've got to unhook from what's binding us and then we can start you know you know, picasso said you know it took me a few it took me years to learn how to paint but it's taken me a lifetime to come to become a child again you know we do have to go back to those things of of learning i i don't believe that older people can't change i believe older people don't want to change and that they should reconsider uh you know and my proof of that is because old musicians are the are the best musicians so you know old musicians are the ones who have the most subtle insight 
into meaning and prosody and emotion. And if they can do it when they're older, then old people can do anything, which, and by old people, I mean us. Yeah. I mean, and, and I look, I think, I think that goes yeah. back to though, where uh, people get used to the life they're leading and they become almost static in their life because the fear of doing, making a change can feel too, too much for them. So, but people of all ages can change. I mean, I, I said to my nephew who left school a little bit earlier than he, he wanted to, um, I said, look, you know, I left school very early. I went back and I studied. So you can always change what your outcome is going to be. It's not that you get to a certain age and that's it. I mean, probably back 100 years ago, 30, 40, well, 40, 50 would have been classed as an old person and, you know, you'd be setting up for retirement or you would already be dead. Nowadays, we can still learn until the day we die and beyond just yeah. to just to go past so so here are a couple of boundaries I, I think that the thing we're talking about or that i think i'm talking about is boundaries distinctions crossing them growth and change so uh two of them that i can talk about for a moment till you stop me are therapy and uh yeah, I don't know what the next one was, but therapy, <laughs> I'll start. Okay, so we had mentioned before, and I mentioned how it bothered me, that therapists were told to focus on issues of the past, troubling yeah. issues of the past, and that counselors, no, not counselors, coaches were told to focus on opportunities of the future, you know, and, and obstacles to uh, creating the structure or to fulfilling the structure you're trying to create. And the two should not mix. It's like either you deal with the problems of your past or you focus on the opportunities of the, of the future. And I thought that was so perverse and so intrinsically sick. And, and uh, it, it ensured that you're going to stay focused on the problems of your past and remain unable to fulfill the opportunities of the future because you wouldn't merge the two or at least the professionals who are there to help you refuse to consider the two. Yeah, and I think and, that's uh, it. They've now decided to separate both things because as a counsellor, I learned to teach people to goal set, to work on their future, to look at how they can change the things from their past to make a more creative, abundant future. I think it's life coaching who's got in there and said, well, we need to stamp out our own little area where we just work and we'll... Oh. We'll say that the well, counselors so, so can't do that. Funny. I agree. You know, so as there is a certain, I want to call, I mean, evolution doesn't, it, people have the mistake. They think evolution means improvement. Evolution just means opportunity. So things develop to exhaust opportunity. That's all that evolution is. So there was a need for people to get uh, help. And there was a need for people to get direction in the future and these two professions invented themselves, and now they've decided that they'll they'll be at peace by erecting a boundary that prevents the two from crossing at each other's territory. <laughs> and, and this is what's sick. But at the same time, this is how things evolve. You know, there's a forest fire, the trees fall down, then the you know the thorny things come in, and the the, the crappy little trees that grow up quickly, and then there's another phase. So I think that's. That's what we're in. We're in the crappy little phase where, where the coaches are the uh, are the thorn bushes that have grown in the sort of scorched ground of uh, whatever you know cultural chaos, and in the future the two of them will merge hopefully, 
or, you know, maybe one, the worst thing would be, you know, that it just becomes overrun with like kudzu vine and everything, you know, becomes coaching. Well, look, there will probably be another uh, group that will come out because years ago we only had psychiatrists and then we had psychologists and then we had counsellors and now we've got coaches. So something else is going to evolve from that. And then the coaches will probably go, oh, no, well, we we do this as well because they don't want to get pushed out by the new group that's coming up. Yeah, you can see it if you go, you know, in the history, you know, there were Jungians and Freudians and then there were, you know, these other groups and then there was family counseling and then there was childhood count. Um, and they all sort of faded away or kind of merged a little bit. Um, so that's what we should be doing. I, I think, you know, in terms of talking to people right now, I don't know how much time we have left, but uh, I'm sure we'll use it up. We should be telling people or people should be hearing that there is a combination of both, that they need to combine both, that they should not believe the story that you're either sick and you need therapy or you're an entrepreneur and you need management. You know, it's, there's not the two, the two don't exist. Those are constructions that are are false for various reasons. And they may be helpful if you had neither, but if you can grasp both, you need to put them together. Well, that's fantastic. Lincoln, I think we should actually end there. Because oh, wow. okay. we've we've ended on a positive note. <laughs> All right. Oh, only downhill from here. Okay. Yeah, well, we don't know where we'll go from here. So it's good if we stop here and then we can go, okay, we finished that really well. Okay, good. So well, your website see. is uh, mindstrengthbalance.com. Yes. All one word spelled in normal English with no spaces or underlines, mindstrengthbalance.com. And I encourage people to go and, and sign up for my blog, uh, which is, I, I always write uh, three or four pages every month. I actually write it weekly, but that I charge for. And so you go to that website, mindstrengthbalance.com, and you click on one of the numerous things that say subscribe. If you're interested, it'll find you quickly enough. You know, it's got one of those pop-ups where it comes in your, into your face if you try to leave. Yeah, I so, had a little yeah, this morning. Yeah, just put your email in and get on the list. And um, I haven't finished this book, The Instant Enlightenment. But like I'm saying, I think it's pretty good because it upsets me every time I edit it. You know, it gets me confused and and spins me around. So there must be, you know, potency in it still. It's not a completed work. So that's my my entreaty to people. Sign up and, and learn more. Well, I've had quite a few of yours come through and I've read some of them and they're really interesting to read. Good. Thank you. Always good information. All right, Lincoln, thank you so much for joining me again in season three. I'm sure we'll catch up again in season four. Good. I look forward to it. And, you know, maybe we can, uh, you know, I'm going to send you invites to, to join my, 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 my Zoom group, just which is available to people who are subscribers. Just because I'd love to have you uh, available to talk to other people too. Well, I'll say goodbye to you for this podcast now. All right. Goodbye. Thanks for talking and uh, I appreciate it. Uh, Look, it was fantastic. Thank you for coming on again. Bye-bye. Well, that was another episode of Life Changes You. If you want to contact us, we're available on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And we also have a website, lifechangesyou.com.au. So until next time, take care of each other. And thanks for listening.